welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. Hello, hello, hello. This is Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. Your Cancer Guy. And again, as we always do, what we always show you is we have another phenomenal guest. Now, this time we've traveled here in the U.S., but we're talking about the Midwest. Yes, this next guest is coming from uh, Missouri, right? And so we're going to be talking today about breast cancer, right? So many of us come across people that have had cancer or going through cancer treatments of some sort. So what do we do? How do we help them? You know, there's so many different avenues. Sometimes we get paralyzed on what to do. But our next guest, she's an advocate. She helps people with, you know, giving that information and getting it out. And that's the kind of that's the kind of support we need in this community. So I'm proud and, and, and honored to bring in our next guest. Join me to bring in our next guest, Mindy Miller. Hey, and all that, Mindy. <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, Mindy, thank for that you. Great so intro. Yes, thank you so much for joining us here at All Talk Oncology. This is not easy for a lot of people to discuss. You know, sometimes uh, it's embarrassing for people. You, there's so, so many different mixed emotions that go through this, right? Uh, for me, I've been treating cancer patients uh, as a radiation therapist for like two decades, right? So I see a lot of that. But now being a cancer coach, I come in, you know, the one-on-one with with my clients and discussing some of the things that may be hindering them. You know, let me ask you, Mindy, when you first got diagnosed, you know, how was that for you? Well, I was sitting at work when I received my diagnosis. So um, I received the call at work and, you know, I, I had that disbelief, you know, clearly it, when I was going through the diagnostics, as far as like the biopsy, when I had a, I had a good feeling that things weren't good for me, but I still sort of had that unrelenting hope that maybe just maybe it can be explained in a different way. Can I pause you on that, Mindy? You know, because that's a good question here. You said you thought that things weren't going good for you. Like what what was it that caused you to go and get checked in the first place? Well, so I found my own, I discovered my own uh, lump at the top left side of my left breast. I had been a very competitive runner leading up to my diagnosis, which was in early 2016. I had just been outdoors running hills in very cold weather, and I had come inside and sat on the couch and crossed my arms and kind of hugged myself. And that was when I found my lump. And, you know, I was a small statured, small busted female, and I feel like that would have been something that I would have found showering. So it was really all just kind of a surprise, but I knew to take it seriously and I I got right into my physician and um, fortunately she took my situation very seriously too and, you know, agreed this does not feel right and the diagnostics ensued, but I was, you know, even in my biopsy, even in everything they said, you know, my, the folks who are working with me and trying to figure this out were very honest with me that, you know, things are are not looking benign. Things are looking like malignancy. Um, so even with that, you know, I still tried to hold on to a bit of hope that maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe after the biopsy, maybe after more detailed imaging, 
you know, it'll be explained away in a different way. And so it wasn't. And so when I got that news, of course, I was I was crushed. Um, kind of a funny little story my husband and I tell surrounding that day. It was around Valentine's Day 2016. We had dinner reservations. It was a Friday that I received my diagnosis. We had dinner reservations pre-planned for that evening at a really nice local restaurant. It was supposed to be, you know, Valentine's, but it was also supposed to be our celebration of getting good news. We were just trying to expect good things. And, you know, that morning at about 1030, I didn't get good news. So by the time we got back to the house, you know, we were sitting there just trying to wrap our minds about around things. And I say husband, then fiance, now husband. Um, we were trying to wrap our minds around things and we realized like, okay, well, it's probably time that we should cancel our dinner reservation. And we were, we had the phone picked up and ready to call and cancel it. And then I don't remember which one of us said this, but we said, one of us asked, well, what if we go? And so we thought, yeah, we can do this, you know, and that sort of became a very symbolic moment of, you know, what if, what if we just do it? What if we make the best of this situation? What if we, what if we go, what if we don't let this hold us back? So I had bought a red dress to wear that evening and by God, I put my red dress on and we went out to dinner and we had some tears, but we were also laughing. Like we were able to, you know, create that joy in a really dark and dismal situation. And that just that whole, you know, order of events there just really became symbolic for how we would move through my cancer story, you know, we would just keep going, we would hold fast our joy, and we wouldn't let anything take that away from us. For sure. So. Thank you so much, Mindy, for that, because, you know, for the listeners that may not have that ability, or discovered that ability, right? Where does that come from? Like, how did, how were you able to kind of transition in the fear of a diagnosis? Part of it was leaning into my faith there, into my faith system and choosing to trust as far as that goes, you know, trust my faith system, you know, without beyond the shadow of a doubt. That was a piece of it. But I tend to be a, you know, kind of a binary thinker in that either this is going to take me down or I'm going to rise above this. I've never been one to really see much of a middle ground. And so it was a lot of choice, but it was really, really, really hard. And even throughout, there were bad days. There were awful days. There were difficult times, you know, but it was just, I just tried to keep my, my eye on, you know, moving through and moving forward and just doing the best I could, you know, that looked very different from day to day, but just with that general goal of, of overcoming. Yeah. So talk to us. I mean, so here you receive this news at work, you know, you come back, get dressed, you go out to dinner. Okay. So we given us, you're painting that picture and I'm seeing it. How do you move forward in the sense of now you're talking about treatments? What are your options? And then how are you telling your family or your friends about this? Yeah. So I was a very private, um, personalized person prior to my diagnosis. I didn't share much. So nobody really knew that anything was going on except for like first degree family members. 
And so, you know, I very carefully and gently um, told them of the news that day. I actually wound up sharing on social media because I knew that this is not something that I'm, I would even be able to keep to myself. And, you know, I do want to enact my support army, you know, my prayer army. I, I knew that I, it would be very difficult to go through that by myself and to not allow my support system in. And so I made that choice and that was very difficult for me. Um, but I started to share and it was just really amazing how, when I was feeling at my lowest, I kind of felt compelled to share something, you know, on social media, you know, even if it was just a, a, a request for, you know, well wishes or, you know, for something upcoming or, you know, a prayer request. And there was something very, very peace bringing about that because as soon as I would post and, you know, my support system would start interacting with me, I, I felt that empowerment. So when I didn't have the strength, it was like the people around me helped to give me that strength to get through those times. So that was pivotal for me was letting people in and really embracing that, but also, you know, kind of talking about, you know, by and large across, you know, even all of the years that it's been, it's been seven years since my diagnosis, um, you know, setting very small reachable goals, very small goals at times. Sometimes it might have been a goal to get from hour to hour, or, you know, sometimes even less than that. But if I'm the type of person that, you know, I can get overwhelmed very easily. So if I'm looking at, you know, all of the different phases of treatment to come, all the different types of treatment to come, you know, the length of time until I felt like I could be towards, you know, towards a better state of healing, I just, I wasn't able. So I had to break it down very piecemeal, very small, reachable goals, and just try to focus on the now and getting through the now because the later would come later. Well, I tell you, Mindy, you, you've tackled so many different things here, right? So we're talking about getting your support team, but how do you do that, right? Because I think a lot of times people don't know how the support team, they need it, they want it, but how do you go about getting it? And, you know, so that that's one thing that you touched on, but how that came about. And then also working through some of the fear that you experienced. You talked about being able to take it one hour at a time, you know, versus trying to looking at the whole picture. How, how did that come about? Those are two questions for my listeners. How did you develop this support team that you were able to now open up to? You went from private to now having a support team. And then two, how did you start breaking that down piece by piece that would allow you to, to manage it? Yeah. So it all started with my, when I chose to announce my cancer diagnosis publicly on my Facebook account. So that was just my social circle, you know, professional circle, family, like extended family who didn't already know. But before long, you know, I was being introduced to other people. I was, you know, kind of brought into some local, there's a wonderful local support organization. You know, it's almost like this is a weird word to use for this context, but there was almost like a networking. That's really how my support system grew was, you know, meeting other people in the cancer community, whether that was through my people that I would meet at chemo, like my chemo buddies. I had the people who had treatments the same days as me. Um, it was kind of fun. You know, we were all generations up to, you know, one lady in her eighties and, 
you know, it's just, it was just very small, but it grew and people would introduce me to other, you know, local cancer survivors too. So, you know, I just kind of got pulled in, you know, I, I, I would tell you the community around me, I felt like they just gave me a big hug and, you know, really tried to introduce me to people that they thought that, you know, I would benefit from connecting with people who've been there. And so, you know, it was just, it just grew very organically and very, you know, very slowly, but sharing on Facebook, that's, that's all it was. And sometimes people would share my posts and people I didn't know would comment and, you know, we start conversations and it just happened very early. If that answers that question. Absolutely. Sometimes it's just the simple things, right? Using the tools that you had. I mean, if I can, you know, mirror what the things you said and for the listeners, you know, Mindy utilized some of the tools she had, which was social media platforms. She used Facebook and obviously it took courage to open that up and to tell people about it. But when you see how the support came about, sometimes the, the blessing came is on the other side of the fear. So I hope you guys took note of that gem she dropped on that. So if you are going through this, you've just been diagnosed, you know, sometimes it's about reaching out and you never know who's going to show up. You never know who's going to show up for you uh, in, in the time of need. So thank you for that. And yes, now. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more just to kind of, you know, build on that even further, you know, here it is, like I said, it's been seven years since my diagnosis. So many of the people, if I stop and look at the people who've been the closest people to me, even for the last four to five years, the people who are closest to me in this world, in, in my life, there is a large number of them who I have met through my cancer story, through my cancer journey you know, that I've met in some way, shape or form through that, the people that I surround myself with. And I, I start when I started to realize these, these people that, you know, I'm connecting with are, are golden, you know, I, I did start to let more in um, because a lot of people just want, you know, someone else who, who understands who, who's been there, who can feel validated, even if when we interact, you know, on Facebook or Instagram, whatever, and we're just venting about something like that's okay, you know, because we're not alone. And, you know, through these friendships, many of them starting on social media, you know, they've become in-person friendships. You know, people always say in real life, well, like this is real life and the relationships that you can build through shared experiences are just priceless. Absolutely. Well said, Mindy. Thank you. for Thank you so much for that. Thank you. And you had another question. You were asking me about the setting small goals. Was that it? Yeah. You know, when things get overwhelming, you said, you know, you had to break it down, you know, to things that you can manage. How did that come about? That was survival for me. That was just if I'm going to get to, you know, this afternoon, I have got to take the small that that was survival, like in the most raw form, like think, you know, bear grills in the woods like that is survival. I part of so with my chemo regimen, one of my anti-nausea medications had a known but rare side effect of extreme anxiety. So you you couple that, you know, natural anxiety you're experiencing with going through cancer with a side effect 
that you don't figure out until like two and a half months into chemo that it's from one of your meds. The anxiety piece was very real. So that's why I say it absolutely became a survival thing. I'm going to pray through these moments. I am going to, you know, distract myself with this in these moments. You know, I spent a lot of time on my couch during that time. So, you know, it was, you know, whether it was get through this TV program or get to the commercial break, it just, it was a crawl at times, but I, I just, I had recognized that if I tried to look too far ahead, the anxiety would ramp even more. And so recognizing that, that was when I really pulled things back and just, just focused on the here and now, because I can't do anything about, you know, tomorrow, but I can do a lot about this moment that I'm sitting in. Absolutely. You know, Mindy, let me ask you, you know, because cancer, when we first hear it, it has this feel and this, this thought behind it. When you got diagnosed with that and hearing the word cancer, what did you associate that with? Well, my first thought was, I mean, and I don't know if this is an association. I was, I was concerned for my future. I was not, I felt good about my situation and that my oncologist had empowered us, you know, to know that he informed me that I had a good prognosis. It was just going to be very, very hard. So in those times, it wasn't so much my mortality I was concerned about, but it was quality of life, my joy. I was very concerned at first that cancer would steal my joy. When I remember sitting on the couch the day of my diagnosis in tears, and I asked my fiance, then fiance, I wonder how long it'll be till I laugh again. You know, I was very worried about that. So, you know, my association... with cancer was diminished quality of life. And, you know, I I immediately recognized that I'm not going to be living at the same rate and pace and style that, you know, my then peer group was. I kind of had picked up on the fact that my life is going to be really different than those around me for a while. Soapboxes throughout has been just doing everything I can to hold fast to my joy and hang on to that hope because, you know, if you don't have that, what's the point? Yeah, many well well said. Thank you. Well said. And you you know, I I say cancer does have this feel about it, and it's on, and that's why you being an advocate is so important. That's why I feel being a cancer coach is so important because so many times when we hear cardiovascular disease, you know, we don't have that type of feeling associated with it. When you hear that someone has diabetes. You don't have that type of feeling that's associated with cancer. And the reason I'm saying this is as I'm teaching this, I have a course for that because those two diseases I spoke about have a a high mortality rate as far as in this in this country, more than cancer. And so when you think, well, why does cancer have that feeling? You know, I think the advocacy role has a huge effect on people. It can have a huge effect on people to get that message out, the education. So that was the reason why I asked that question. So But getting back to you, you know, all of this is about you, but talk to me about as you getting, getting close to finishing your treatments, how does your outlook change or how does that now appear to you? So I was able to finish my five years of post breast cancer, hormonal therapy, endocrine therapy in August of 21. And 
I would tell you, so I was receiving a monthly injection into my abdomen and also taking a daily pill. That's what that looked like. And I was of course in a medically induced menopause and, you know, on, on one hand, you know, there were a a lot of quality of life implications to being in menopause for nearly six years of your life as a woman in her early thirties, there was positivity towards, you know, looking forward to not hopefully not having to deal with those symptoms anymore. Far larger than that, though, about the six months leading up to those therapies ending, it was very concerning for me because my treatments were my safety net. You know, I felt like this is my, you know, this is my insurance policy here. You know, this is what I have, you know, to receive and to take to prevent my recurrence, you know, probabilities. But when these are over, that's it. You know, I led a healthy lifestyle. I, you know, like most people, like many people who find themselves with a cancer diagnosis, many of us are doing all the right stuff to begin with, you know, and there wasn't really like one little, you know, switch I could flip to bring about that piece. So it took some digging deep in those months leading up to the end of those therapies. And ultimately, I, when I say, making a decision that makes it sound simplified, but it's not. It took me months and months and months to come to the realization that I needed to make a decision. Either I'm going to let, you know, this disease affect my future or I'm not. And so I developed a a mantra, kind of an affirmation. I began to tell myself I am safe in my body because a lot of, you know, a lot of conversations around cancer, you know, surround not trusting our bodies. But I had to, de- you know, develop an awareness that cancer is something that happened to my body. My body didn't do this to me. So really making that separation and repeating to myself, you know, and helping myself to finally believe that I am safe in my body helped me to finally take that leap, you know, when the end of those endocrine therapies happened and it was time to fly, that affirmation was my wings. Absolutely. You know, you touched on so many key points here. And Mindy is dropping gems today. And I hope you can find value in this because this is about empowering you in your cancer journey. And so as you listen to her, she talked about making the decision wasn't something that happens right away, right? These things, Mindy, they take time. You said months. And it's true. So don't feel overwhelmed that you're not making decisions fast enough. Give yourself that permission to make these decisions, as I would like to say to you. But I I hope you picked up on something. Mindy talked about the safety net. And Mindy, you're not alone in that. So many cancer patients, they go through, as I call the ringer, right? You get diagnosed. You go see the surgeon. You see the surgeon. Now you go to see the medical oncologist. The medical oncologist, now you see the radiation oncologist. And okay, go back and see your surgeon again. Like you just, it's just a whirlwind. And then all of a sudden, everything comes to an end, as you spoke about. And I'm glad you brought that up because so many people go, what now? What do I do now? Like everyone was giving me so much attention on my health journey and now I'm by myself. And so I hope you picked up on what Mindy said. She talked about being able to come up with mantras, affirmations. Mindy, let me ask you, how important is it words that we say to ourselves? They're critical. They absolutely are. You know, I've always been one to believe in the self-fulfilling prophecy. And 
language is powerful. Words are powerful. And I really think that through spending time with those words and what they mean, we can begin to believe them. I really do. And that's, that's where I was with that. But, you know, I, I strongly believe that, you know, without words of, you know, self-empowerment and thoughts of self-empowerment, you know, I know me personally, I would not have fared well in my mental health because I would have started to believe the negative thought spiral that, that is very easy to, to slip down. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, here, if you heard Mindy in the beginning, she was a private person, didn't give much, kept it all to herself. And now, listen, she's dropping gems. She's sharing. She's giving you jewels that you can utilize on your cancer journey. And so thank you so much for that. I always want to compliment you on that. So the next question I had, you know, Mindy, so you're going through this, you, you get through it. How has it changed? How has the Mindy before diagnosis change to the Mindy we see in front of us today? I, the first thing that comes to mind is I have learned and be very appreciative of what it means to live slowly. So what I mean by that is being present, taking the value out of busy culture, learning to say no to things that don't serve betterment in my life. I, prior to my diagnosis, I was living fast. I was I didn't know how to say no to, you know, extra work. I was working far too many hours. I was just, you know, grinding as, as they say, and that wasn't good for me. You know, I came to realize afterwards because I have come to, you know, thrive on rest. And one of the things that's so important to me is, you know, kind of taking away the the lazy connotation with rest and speaking of how restorative rest can be. So I would tell you presently, I live my life more slowly, more intentionally. I don't need out doing all the things. I've become very content with homebody life and spending time with the people that have been there for me, the people that remain present in my life, you know, here even seven years after my diagnosis, because that has changed. And I'm a medical, medically based speech language pathologist for my career, and I work with older adults. Many of our patients in our inpatient rehab facility are patients who have an active oncology story. And, you know, I found myself, I, I've become a more empathetic human. I've advocated for them too, you know, with my peers and helping my peers to understand, you know, better understand what these people are going through the emotional parts, the mental parts. So yeah, I, I am a very different person, but I'm very intentional about how I spend my time and with whom I spend my time. And I've really come to value relationships and nurturing those because I've, I've learned how precious they are. Absolutely. You know, I love it. You know, I, I always ask that question because it's the, the way you start is not the way you end, right? I mean. It's, it's just a metamorphosis and a diagnosis like this causes that, you know, to really look at life and from a different lens. And so I thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I love that you looking at life and going through life a lot slower, a lot more intentional. What has that 
brought to you and the people around you? <laughs> Me, I feel like my my anxiety levels have diminished significantly. You know, we're I'm still human. I still experience that, of course, but I'm better able to manage it. It has looked like, you know, more quality time with friends and family and my life is just a lot slower and that's okay. I'm not working a lot of extra hours. It's been very good for me professionally just because I feel and personally because I can just be more present in the time that I allocate to given tasks and endeavors. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about your advocacy here now. You know, Mindy now is an advocate. She's out here speaking. You know, talk to us a little bit about that and, you know, some of the joys you get from that. You know, when I was diagnosed, it was 2016. The cancer community nor the breast cancer community were a thing yet, were things yet um, on Instagram. So that really didn't pop out for another couple of years. So I initially began sharing just kind of breaking out of my shell through Facebook, kind of putting my toe in the water, become, you know, just sharing more factual type things about what I was going through, more like update type things. But then once I branched into the Instagram world, it was probably 2018, 19, something like that. I started to share my story. And as I did that, I found myself really enjoying the writing process. So through that, um, you know, I was beginning to share more personal aspects of my journey. And in doing so, you know, kind of started to build a little community around me. And, you know, I had people that I could, you know, visit with and vent with who understood. And so, you know, I realized powerful human connection was. So my posts became a little bit more, more unique for me in that, you know, I tried to, you know, talk about things that other people weren't talking about. And I found that in doing that, you know, more people responded, you know, positively and felt seen and validated because these were things that, you know, really emotional pieces. And so I got to see the value of community through that and, you know, felt empowered to do more. And so um, in 2021, four other young breast cancer survivor friends and I had formed an advocacy group and we had a had a pretty good campaign going, you know, about, you know, our belief in the importance of self-breast exams, breast health education and testicular health education, you know, for young people and the importance of, you know, the benefits that can follow early diagnosis with becoming, you know, more familiar with your body, but in a formalized, standardized type of way versus just you know, being generally body aware. And so that was very empowering too, because we had, we were able to, you know, have some really strong conversations with some major organizations in the cancer world. So through that, you know, I've just found myself really enjoying the writing process and talking more about the things that I never would have spoken of before, you know, as of late, um, I had a, had a piece published in was once health magazine, now electronically based health, talking very deeply about, you know, my fertility journey. You know, I'm 36 years old now and my now husband and I, we've had some struggles there and some limitations. And so talking about those things that are, that are kind of scary and kind of sad and just uncertain, you know, a lot of the uncertainties that's been really important in addition to those education pieces, because, you know, between community and education, I just feel like those are the two pillars for, for me in advocacy. 
my why is always, you know, I think of the people that will be the, the newly diagnosed, the men and women who will be diagnosed in two weeks, two months, and two years. So if we, you know, the community members can drop breadcrumbs of hope, you know, maybe that's something they can find and pick up and it can be what they need in those times. Absolutely. We need more advocates out here. And so we thank you so much for, for being a person out here to help people educate them and, and get them through, let them know that, you know, Hey, there are survivors out here, you know, and we're thriving and not only you're surviving, but you're thriving. And here you are seven years later, you know, you have your family and friends and the perspective in life is completely different. And so thank you so much for that, Mindy, for, for coming on here and, and empowering those that are listening. Thank you. I think it's really important, especially once I hit my five years after diagnosis, I kind of felt a little bit lost myself, like, okay, so what's my story now, you know, and a little bit of an identity struggle then. And I realized that people need to see that long-term survivorship is possible. It's a thing. It's real for any of us in this space. You know, we are all acutely aware that that can change in minutes we can be right back in into things very quickly. And so kind of the way I see it is while I'm able to live and thrive, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to hope that long-term survivorship continues to be possible. But I, I just really want to set the example that, that it is. Absolutely. And I think you're doing a fine job at that. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking about that. And so all of you guys that are listening out there, just know, as I say in every single episode, you know, you're not alone in this. And it's it's a joy for me to always have guests on here and to connect with them and always learning their story, because I know each individual is so different and their story is so different. And I just hope that you can grab a gem from each one of them and find yourself, familiarize yourself with that person and say, hey, I love that story. It's very similar to mine and I can do this, you know, and I I recently come out with a book and it's called about the five stages of winning with the cancer diagnosis. So you can pick that up on Amazon and uh, it helps you to see, you know, there's, there's five stages that people go through when you get diagnosed and how do you get through those stages? Be encouraged by that. And you can find that out in my book. And uh, we also have a program that's coming out. That's actually, it's actually completed, Um, but the program is going to help you uh, get through some of the misconceptions that are coming in with with cancer. Some of the things that you can do to get through it. Uh, Mindy, she talked about the affirmations, uh, some mantras that she utilized. We talk about that in the course. Um, We talk about how preparing you for treatments and what's that about. So I'm excited about that. Make sure you look that up. You can see that on my um, on my website and also my social media platforms, because all we're doing here, we're out here helping and making sure that people can feel supported as they go through these cancer journeys. So, Mindy, again, kudos to you. Just makes me so happy to see you living your life, not just going through it, but intentionally and joyfully. And that's important, right? Because I think sometimes we lose joy in life, regardless of a a diagnosis or not, we just lose joy. And so for you to come in here and say, hey, I've been diagnosed and I've gone through it and finished. And yes, I'm joyful in life speaks volumes. So thank you so much. Thank you. That has been, you know, my, my key motivation from the start is to 
never relinquish my joy. And I hope that I can be an example that it's possible to hold on to your joy and always feel that. Absolutely. Minnie, thank you so much for coming here. All Talk Oncology has been a pleasure and we continue to hope the best for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you do to help those of us in the cancer community, both professionally and, you know, through side endeavors such as this. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you for including me and sharing my story. Yeah. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.